Hi, this is Steve Berlin of Los Lobos. You're listening to WMNF, Tampa, Florida. Thanks to all of you who donated during our WMNF Summer Fun Drive. It's not too late to give, and we have some making up to do. Call 813-238-8001 or donate online at WMNF.org. We can't thank you enough. The opinions presented on the Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Hello out there, my dear friends, and thank you for keeping your radio tuned to WMNF Tampa. And definitely, welcome to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey. Today, he's going to expound on brain health and Alzheimer's. You're invited to participate in this discussion, or if you have any related medical questions, by calling 813-239-9663 or sending an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Well, a good morning to you, Dr. Fred. I was out last week while you and Sean did the rare invite to our listeners to support this fine show and WMNF in general. This is definitely one of those shows where our faithful followers should feel generous and willing to dig deep into their wallets. Today's show is a shining example of why this show is worth every sou. You would like to discuss brain health and Alzheimer's. What should we know, Dr. Fred? Good morning, Bill, and all of our favorite listeners. Um, thank you for that wonderful and energetic introduction. Today, we are going to talk about brain health. Um, this is a National Health Observance Month issue, um, Alzheimer's disease, brain health in general. But I'm going to focus on Alzheimer's disease because I think it's mostly front on people's mind when it comes to brain health. Um, we know that it's a major problem without a treatment. I want to just give you some key facts about it. This is from the World Health Organization, and um, uh, much of this uh, is also available from other websites, Alzheimer's societies, etc., easily found on the web. But um, just to let you know, dementia is a syndrome in which there is deterioration in cognitive function beyond what might be expected from usual aging. So, no, this isn't just um, uh, old-timers disease. This is actually Alzheimer's disease, and it's a really serious consequence because it really does affect and ruin aging, essentially, uh, especially when it occurs early. Um, there's more than 55 million people alive right now with dementia worldwide and 10 million new cases every year. Um, dementia, meaning the loss of cognitive function, results from a lot of different diseases and injuries um, that either directly or secondarily affect the brain function. Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia and contributes to about 70% of all the cases. Other causes include vascular disease. Now, vascular disease is also under the treatment we'll talk about later for dementia in general, but um, dementia with Lewy bodies um, that is related to Parkinson's disease. Uh, and oh, I wanted to mention the vascular disease issue. Um, hardening of the arteries affects your entire body. If you have had heart disease, it's likely you have some brain disease because of it. Another um, uh, type of dementia is called frontotemporal dementia. And there's another thing called supranuclear palsy. All these things cause uh, uh, deterioration in the brain. 
um, ALS um, and other issues are there too, but really they're not nearly as common as this. Um, dementia is currently the seventh leading cause of death among all major causes. Cardiovascular disease is number one. And so it's actually still contributing to the dementia because you can get vascular dementia. But dementia is really an important problem because it affects the ability of the person to function physically, um, mentally and emotionally, socially. It impacts your relationships. It impacts economics because you have to have caregivers. And um, so the, the um, families, careers, um, society at large, all is paying for dementia in a variety of ways. Um, it is more common as we age. Um, 3% of adults 70 to 74 compared with 22% 85 to 89 and 33% of those over 90. Women have slightly more likelihood of dementia than men. Um, and uh, in 70 year older, 11% of women and 8% of men had dementia. This is all from 2019. Um, and it's really amazing that someone develops dementia every three seconds. And the number will probably double every 20 years. We might be to 78 million by 2030, 139 million by 2050. And um, much of this will be in developing countries. 60% um, of the people with dementia live in low and middle income, income companies, countries now. But by 2050, this will probably be much higher. And the fastest growing elderly population is China, India, and South Asia, and the Pacific um, Islands, these populations are aging rapidly. And um, the worst one is that prior to age 65, early onset, um, 350,000 new cases of dementia per year, like 55 years old, losing your mind, not a good thing. So, um, Yes, I'd like to um, engage with people today. So um, I want to remind everyone that all of the um, uh, very controversial information, the articles are all presented on uh, the Healthy Step Show website, healthystepshow.com. And you can uh, go to the blog there and click on all the links that we have for all of these articles. And when you do that, um, maybe we can discuss some of this stuff. And I'd really like to have some interaction today with some call-ins and because uh, last week we didn't get to do any. So um, let's talk about that today. Give us a call here at um, uh, 813-239-9663. Thank or you. Or send an email to dj at wmnf.org and continue to send texts at 813-433-0885. And I'm Excellent. also going to throw on out a little shout out again, since you were doing the pledge last week, that it still goes on for a little while. And so if you're enjoying the show and you want to show your support, look deep into your heart and then go to the website, WMNF.org, and click on the tip jar at the top of the screen and be sure to direct your donation to HAN for the Healthy Steps Radio Show. I think you'll appreciate keeping us on the air here. We love you. That would be wonderful. And so um, about this whole problem, there is some bad news. And um, this is um, a problem for everyone. There are no treatments specifically for this disease. Um, 
the way Western medicine works is they try to develop a drug to treat a disease. This disease is multifactorial, meaning many causes and many solutions, because each person is different when presenting with dementia. So pharma has tried about 290 different chemicals now, and all of them have failed. The drugs approved, and I say that um, with quotation marks, to use in dementia patients reduce some of the symptoms, but they do not treat the disease. So everything that's on the market right now may mitigate some of the symptoms mildly, and you might find a change numerically on a memory test or something, but the person doesn't necessarily have much of an improvement. And the um, Financial Drug Administration, uh, just last year, I've talked about before, they, they did, did their little approval thing, a financial approval for a $63,000 drug, 63000 annually, that um, the FDA's own science advisory panel told the director not to approve, but he decided that someone might spend some money on it if approved, thus helping the manufacturer gain back some investment at the cost of the insurer or the Medicare taxpayer. And also for the torture of false hope for the patient and family, because this drug doesn't work and it's going to be available and people are going to spend lots of money on it and it's not going to work because it doesn't. And that is a really sad situation that our financial drug administration has taken our medical establishment into. But there's good news. <laughs> Don't lose heart. There is really good news because there is great evidence for early intervention with lifestyle changes that could prevent the disease in many people with a predisposition. And there is also clinical evidence that dementia can be treated and reversed through a very intensive and precise and specific regimen outlined by Dr. Dale Bredesen in his book, End of Alzheimer's, Reversing Cognitive Decline. And I put a link to that one um, on the website. Um, the book is definitely worth a read. It's not terribly complex. It isn't written for lay people. And so you can understand his premise there uh, uh, telling us what it is that um, uh, we can do. Um, but with any good thing, um, um, science is resistant often. Um, the standard approach from science to any new information is to question it out the wazoo and negate it and denigrate the people that have done it and hide it. That's basically what's happened um, throughout um, all of science history, but it's obvious in the 20th century with all of the discussions uh, uh, around uh, quantum physics and Einstein. Uh, it's a long discussion, but uh, um, Niels Bohr, a physicist contemporary of Einstein, says that science changes one death at a time. And it's kind of like that in medicine too. The old guard has to go to let new energy in because they really have control. It's a patriarchal dominated system that doesn't let information through. So, in that light, a biased, narrow-minded, deceptive rebuttal was published about um, the uh, end of Alzheimer's. And the woman in there uses questions. Uh, she questions the use of case studies because they are not double-blind placebo-controlled trials. But many academics question this as a tool for pharma, but not necessarily the best way to get clinical answers. Case studies show that people improve or they don't. And the, these studies show that the patients improved. Um, they don't include a methods section, she says. Well, this is because the method is complex and highly personalized and precise. The method is broad. And she says that there's too broad a patient population with too many possible causes for the disease. Well, that's because that's the definition of dementia. 
these ivory tower docs want one cause, one treatment, and a pill. And it just doesn't exist. They've already failed at 290 of them. And she also mentions that articles appeared in open access, oh my word, open access journals or so-called predatory journals. Well, when the ivory tower journals won't publish new information, you have to go elsewhere to get the uh, information out to the public. Um, other published studies report uh, support this approach. The initial RECODE trial, RECODE meaning reversing cognitive decline, it's called the reversal of cognitive decline in Alzheimer's disease. It shows that 10 people were in an initial case series and they had amazing results in decreasing the impact of dementia, increasing memory and having significant improvement in the function and quality of life. Um, there's even more information out there. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Bredesen, the guy that wrote the Recode book and, and did this trial, distinguished that there are different types of Alzheimer's. And that article is on the site. And the different types, one, two, and three, um, <clears throat> and then there's actually a fourth one too, but one is the standard type of Alzheimer's. And um, that is an inflammatory condition where the brain's on fire. We can put the fire out. We know how to use antioxidants and we know how to avoid things that make the fire worse. Diabetes is one that actually makes the inflammation worse. High sugar levels do that. Um, and the second form is a hormone withdrawal sort of Alzheimer's where the body is actually shrinking and declining. You know, um, uh, good hormone levels help maintain good brain health. And if you don't have those or if you have inadequate nutrition, um, if you're not taking enough food and you don't have enough fish oil to support the brain function, things like that would be very important. And the third type is toxicity. Uh, toxicity causes dementia. Uh, lots of different types of toxins contribute. Uh, toxic metals like mercury proven to unravel your neurons, the brain cells. And lead causes cretinism or loss of IQ and um, mold toxins and Petrochemical toxins all damage the brain. Alcohol is one of the worst toxins that you can actually ingest if you have cognitive decline. Another study, the recode, more in the recode, a personalized target multifactorial therapeutic program for reversal of cognitive decline. This is a big title for an article, but what it tells us is that there's not a single therapeutic um, agent that exerts anything beyond marginal, unsustained, systemic, or symptomatic effect. That's what I'm talking about, these drugs that have been tried. They just don't do anything for a long time. And the symptomatic effect wears off after a year because they don't treat the brain on fire and the brain continues to deteriorate. So the drugs eventually don't work for the symptoms. So really what this suggests is that uh, the monotherapeutic, one drug approach uh, and of uh, drug development for Alzheimer's disease is not the optimal one especially when it's used alone. There might be some drugs we find out there. We're really, we, we might, but they're not available yet because we haven't found one that actually treats the illness. So again, um, I think that um, uh, brain health is so important. Um, I would like to actually engage with your brains. Give us a call here at the studio, 813-239-9663. Email us, dj at wmnf.org. Um, really get, get with us to engage so uh, we can talk about this very important issue. Since nobody else has been calling on in, um, and we certainly encourage you all to, I'd just like to ask a question. Um, 
heard sometime a long, long time ago, somebody used to use this phrase to me, actually, saying the brain is like any other muscle. You just have to exercise it and use it. And you hear these um, sort of offhand suggestions that doing these little games or using certain uh, wordle or whatever as a general activity will help stay the effects of Alzheimer's or whatever. Is there any truth in that? Or is, does exercise in uh, the brain help? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and that's where um, it becomes each of our individual responsibilities to start caring for our brains uh, well before there's any sign of cognitive decline. Um, there are um, uh, some good resources online. Um, there are some actually in that book. Uh, Cleveland Clinic has a really nice um, site uh, uh, about healthy brain. I think it's called healthybrains.org, something like that. But they talk about six pillars. I think there's seven, actually, of what you can do individually to help keep things working well. And one of them is mental fitness. And you don't have to go to one of the websites and do brain games. You know, there's some really good ones out there like Brain HQ and Luminosity and, and many others. Um, but those are really good ways of specifically training. And, and they have actually geared it to um, different areas of concern. If you want to stimulate your brain in simple memory or in executive function, there's different games that you can play. It's really very good. I've been on several of these websites and they can be fun. Um, I exercise my brain by doing research constantly and learning new things that way. Um, but another way to actually exercise your brain is with meditation. Um, going in and calming your brain is a really important thing. Relaxation and stress reduction is a big part of this. And so if you can actually uh, begin a daily meditation practice, that would also be something that would help coordinate your brain function and help it work more smoothly. I think we have a caller on the line. Absolutely. There's a little bingo there. Uh, I've got David from Bell Rico on the line. Good morning to you there, David. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, Hi there. Uh, how you doing? You know, I really thought it was very interesting you mentioned vascular disease. My stepfather uh, has had several uh, heart attacks uh, and he has low blood pressure. So he's complaining of you know, certain dizziness and also... Uh, uh, finding the words is what he says. And you mentioned testosterone uh, or hormone therapy. Would that be an option for him? Um, you know, uh, is, he's also diabetic, so the so, uh, sugar is pretty pretty well managed. Uh, but um, he's concerned about being dizzy, and I just know if the, the hormone therapy or something else would help him out. A couple things there. You mentioned heart disease and diabetes. So um, really important. Um, his um, diabetes has to be exceptionally well controlled. The, the hemoglobin A1C number should be under 5.7. It shouldn't be at the usual primary care accepting of a 6.4 or a 6.7 or anything under 7.0. No, it's got to be under 5.7, preferably as close to 5 as you can get it. Because the closer and tighter the diabetes control, the better sugar control, then the mind works better. And so 
if it's difficult to do, a ketogenic diet might be useful or intermittent fasting, which is also shown to control sugar and also is the diet that Dr. Bredesen talks about to maintain brain health. Low blood pressure also is a problem because low blood pressure can actually cause uh, dementia because you're not getting enough perfusion. So he may be over medicated on the cardiovascular side and we need to get the blood pressure up at least into the 120s to maintain some blood pressure and it may be even better to have it in the 130s um, depending on how bad the dementia is but i think i would keep it in the 120s and get sugar controlled that's really the important thing getting the sugar controlled and so those things i would look at first uh, but uh, definitely assessing hormones is part of the recode protocol that dr bredesen talks about so that's one of the many areas he talks about 36 holes in the roof that need to be patched hormones is one of them so, so the keynote is that a, a, a plant protein based or like, um, um i'm losing you there but yeah i heard plant protein based Honestly, I think that um, doing a Mediterranean-style diet and eating animal protein is of benefit for anyone with dementia. Actually, there's some, uh, and there's an article I believe that I uh, uh, connected there um, uh, from PubMed that shows that um, there is a um, 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 a reduction of uh, uh, dementia with the use of red meat and an increase in dementia with every 25 grams a day of additional processed meats, anything with nitrites or nitrates in it, death. Don't eat them. Okay. Got it. So a good steak is, is, is good? Yes, have a good steak, one that's grass finished. Get some of that good Florida cracker beef that comes from one of the local farms and don't get that stuff that's finished with uh, uh, corn. You don't want grain finished because um, that's just simply to make more money for the, uh, the seller. Fantastic. Great information. Thank you so much for your time. Awesome. You're so welcome. Have a great day. You too. We have some emails. Indeed. This one is from Doug, and I'm really surprised that this trained professional is discounting the importance of running clinical trials. I never said that. Um, I'm wondering what his perspective is on the development of vaccines to prevent COVID-19 or the shingles or polio. Um, yeah, interesting question, but we're not going there today. Seriously, take a breath and go through things in a way that makes sense for someone who is a scientist practitioner. Well, I am. That's what I do here every week. We have only to look at the graveyard of forgotten treatments. Do appreciate the importance of running well thought out clinical trial. Yes, we do need that. And then the ones that are well thought out, like the ones uh, uh, regarding uh, ivermectin and uh, in the last uh, couple of months were well thought out to make sure that we had proof that it didn't work. So let's really look at these clinical trials with how they're developed and how they're run. I do like clinical trials, but I also believe that case studies in complex issues where there are no drugs and there won't be any right away, I think it's a perfect way to find out how we can help people. So I understand that you're a little upset, Doug, but honestly, we need more intervention here. Think about the fact that ivermectin actually can reduce death by 70% in coronavirus cases, yet it was blocked and not used. Think of how many people would possibly have lived had we just tried this cheap, safe, FDA-approved medication that actually has evidence that it works and there is a pathophysiologic mechanism of action. It's pretty sad that our medical establishment blocked this. Let's 
Take a phone call. Yeah, so I've got a lineup here. I've got uh, Mike and Vinny and Jarvis, and I'm also going to give out the number and remind folks who are listening to the Healthy Steps radio show at Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. And you can even participate by calling 813-239-9663 or continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org. And Mike from Bradenton has been waiting long enough. What have you got for us this morning, Mike? Uh, yes, good morning, Dr. Harvey. It's Mark. Um, hi, Mark. Hi. My wife is 72 years old, and a couple of months ago, she, oh, well, actually, it's been a longer than that, but a couple of months ago, her tremors in her right arm um, became worse, and she went to see her, uh, she went to see a neurologist, and he did not have a diagnosis. He said it's similar to, you know, Parkinson's, but it could just be tremors. Well, so there was no diagnosis. He said, let's just wait and see. But over the past couple of months, I have noticed um, her tremors increasing and becoming more severe, um, especially when she's under stress. Um, And that can be what normally would be considered very, very minor stress, but now it's affecting her. Um, Have you got any thoughts on that well that sounds like it could be um a an essential tremor um and um um i guess a distinguishing factor is um essential tremor happens more when moving and parkinson's tremor happens more when at rest and so you might look at that behavior and help delineate it but there's also a very interesting uh test called a dat scan a dat scan can actually delineate whether or not there's damage in the parkinson's area of the brain called the substantia nigra and i would actually ask somebody to order a dat scan and that might help delineate it or you might just go to another neurologist and get another opinion because um it's probably worth um having uh, more opinions since this condition is worsening Right. Yeah, it definitely is. And she's beginning, she's, she's definitely getting rigidity in that arm and she's, she's trying to do, um, her own PT. We do a lot of hiking. So she's uh-huh. trying to make sure that she swings that arm. Um, well, that sounds, that sounds Parkinsonian if there's rigidity and, and, uh, remember Parkinson's actually can, uh, come from toxicity. So pesticide exposures or other, uh, mold exposures, all these things can actually present um as a parkinson-like syndrome so i would definitely get another evaluation and maybe find a functional medicine doctor to get you some toxicity testing if she actually was a sign painter for 30 years oh lord so she's had a lot of exposure she's had a lot of exposure and this neurologist actually said that um that wouldn't have any effect oh then you need a new neurologist drop him and go away forever because if he doesn't believe in toxicity he doesn't believe in reality yeah Bye-bye. Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> New neurologist. <laughs> yeah, the problem is, is that this guy actually saved her life when she had a stroke, and he was the only neurologist on call in the, uh, in the hospital at the time. And she well, had he was very helpful then. It was, it was very helpful. Yeah, um, so now you need to find somebody who can be helpful with this condition. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, yes, I agree. Okay. All right, have a great day, Mike. Good luck with that. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's welcome Vinny from Dunedin on our show here. Good morning, Vinny. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Dr. Fred. It's Vinny. I uh, I miss hearing your voice and seeing you, as a matter of fact, but it's great to How you doing, Vinny? 
I'm doing all right. I'm driving around Tampa doing a little work, but I had to pull over and uh, get a call in. Um, real quick, on a personal note, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer uh, last week. And, oh, no. Uh, and, yeah, well, yeah. And immediately, it's a Gleason 7 on a localized, uh, but enough of a area to be of concern. And so oh, I went on for... Go find your HIFU doctor. Go find the doctor who does high-intensity focused ultrasound. Exactly. That's what I was... I was just going to ask you about that. And I was, I was looking at Proton Beam up in Jacksonville. Yeah. There's, yeah. And, any, and, but, and I'm also adopting a strict keto diet um, on the advice of Dr. D'Agostino out of USF. I don't know if you're familiar with his work in the keto diet, starving cancer, etc. Um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I thought it was brilliant. Anyway, uh, he's on a YouTube thing. But more importantly for my call was about my sister. <laughs> and uh, my sister was recently um, hospitalized, and uh, um, she, had, she had gone home with the groceries in her pocket, but put them down and then went back to the uh, store looking for both of them um, and was so confused that they called my other sister up in Gainesville and went to get her. Uh, subsequently had some palpitations. They put her in the hospital, but while there she had a cognitive test where she was unable to write the hands on the clock, you know, and uh, oh, no. other other symptoms. So there's an MRI, there's some white matter. That's all they would say right now. And the worst disease she has is denial. So she's livid that we're even mentioning, hey, you need help here, gal. And I'm just interesting. I mean, she sounds, most of the time she sounds normal, and then when you catch her where she's either purposely forgetting or misrepresenting what happens, you know that there's something going on. Yes, and that's one of the first things that happens with people who have a really strong mind and a decent intelligence. They actually cover it up and they're in denial and it's really tough to get them to go for help because they don't believe that it is. Understood. So um, I'm going to research that book. I'm going to get into it. And, uh, you know, we've had a family intervention. Thankfully, there's seven of us besides her siblings and we're trying to you know break through the wall and see if we can get her on a uh, but this book sounds very interesting I, i've already uh got my wife to purchase it for my kindle and uh and we'll see what we can do to help her along maybe we can reverse some of it um anyway good luck you. best thank wishes you so much. you're welcome always, it's great to hear your voice thank you for your work you're welcome all right have a great day bye now all righty, you ready for Jarvis? He's been waiting patiently Certainly. for us. Yes. Good morning, Jarvis. Hey, good morning, Dr. Harvey. Um, it's, Hi there. It's a pleasure to, to hear you. It's the first time I've, I've heard you. I've turned the radio on and I listened. Um, uh, I just wanted to make a comment um, maybe to the guy that was a couple calls ago that was saying about maybe his wife's tremors or something with the shake. Um, yes. My grandmother was experiencing that about seven years ago. And if that guy's listening... Man, this is some incredible information I'm about to tell you. There's a village in Nicaragua. It's called Osha Village, O-S-H-A. And, and the premise of it is, is, I won't be long, the premise of it is, is compounds. They have all these compounds at this village, and, and most of the people, well, the people that go there, and there's people that go there from all around the world, and they submerge themselves in this water. And the water that comes out of these mountains, and the water is filled with a lot of sulfur and a lot of things that the body is made out of. So not only do the people submerge themselves in, in water, um, they also drink this water. And, and, and they do on the compounds for like a seven-day, a seven-day, like, little um, series. 
my God, it, it cleanses the whole body out. It cleanses all the organs out, the heart. The, the, it just cleans the liver, the, the, the kidneys. It cleans everything out. And it's almost like it takes your body back to like a childlike state where it was almost like very, very innocent when, we, when, when you were just drinking mother's milk, you know, or something wow. like that. It, it really There's- takes the body. I'm sorry. There are so many um, wonderful uh, healing waters, places around the planet, like uh, Lourdes uh, in France. Um, yes, um, these places are wonderful, and many people do get help going there. But exactly. I think uh, many people don't have access to go, so we can right. do these foundational things at home. But your information is excellent. Thank you. Can I, can I say one more thing, too? Yes. Yeah, and Dr. Harvey, I, I wanted to say something. Um, I'm going to go off into the Bible just for a second and... And, you know, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but there's a story in the Bible, and I think a lot of people out there who know it are, are within the sound of our, our voices, that when Jesus, when, when God sent Jesus to feed the multitude of people, yes. God sent Jesus to the ocean. And I'm sure as he was going to the ocean, he passed a lot of animals, because there were animals on, the, on land at that time, too. But there was a reason why God sent Jesus to the ocean. And he was going to feed 50,000 people, if, I, if my memory serves me correct. And Jesus brought back fish from the ocean, and he brought back the bread. So I just wanted to say that, that when, when Jesus was healing people and, 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 and he was and feeding people, he wasn't giving them animals. And, and I hear a lot of people talk about animal protein, and I'm not here to fight anybody's way of thinking. I'm just saying something off the Bible that, that you can just see, that, that Jesus passed up all those animals. And he went to the ocean and, and gave his people fish. And, and, and thank you, Dr. Harvey, for letting me say that. And, and I appreciate your show, man. And oh, another thing, Dr. Harvey, if the, yes, body, is made of, if the body is made of carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen, that's, that's the basis of the, of the body, um, Dr. Harvey. Carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. But Don't forget but, nitrogen. And, and nitrogen, yeah, yeah. It, well, it, it makes up a couple other things. I don't want to go into yes. the things of the body, but the basis of it is carbon, heart, oxygen, and hydrogen. The, the, and you the, know something, the, the Chinese Jarvis, show effect. You know the um, uh, the fish is a great thing because fish oil is one of the things you need to take to keep brains healthy. Thank you a lot for your input. Um, have a great day. All right, and again, waiting patiently is Anne from Winter Haven. Good morning, Anne. Oops. Hello, Ann. Hi, uh, Dr. Harvey. Thank you for taking my call. And yes, so well read. You have such a breadth of information. I wonder, and the, and the subject of brain health is very interesting, of course. I wonder what is your take or if you have followed the recent research about the genetics versus environment. Because you must be aware of the uh, non studies in the 1990s where they followed those non well, uh, yes. At least two or three decades, two decades, I think. Yes, and so genetics and environment are highly uh, involved. That's why treating and preventing dementia is really complex because genetics are part of the picture and environment is another huge part of the picture. What about also, so I had done, uh, what I noticed among people I know who start losing their mind or whatever, there's usually a, a very strong emotional shock that triggers something like the loss of a child, the loss of a sibling, something like that. And yes, stress can do that. Yeah, does it do or does it always do it or some people overcome that? That's kind of the question. It depends on what's going on with you, predispositions, environmental uh, problems, and um, uh, you know, ongoing um, uh, um, um, uh, medical issues. So um, 
that's um that's why it becomes so complex. Um, sometimes it'll be this stress, sometimes it'll be that stress. And people over 65 years of age that have any predisposition to dementia, two systemic inflammatory events, two. That means if you get shingles and you have a pneumonia or you get um, um, a hip fracture and a heart attack, two systemic inflammatory events can induce dementia. And so, yes, it's very uh, uh, complex as to what the challenges are, what the causes are, and what all is involved. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. And and um, uh, going from that to um, some of the uh, emails that I've got, a couple are, are actually um, uh, really coincident. Um, one person is asking, is the hippocampus involved in Alzheimer's? And another one asks, how important is physical activity and a healthy body and brain uh, for, to a healthy body and brain? So um, the hippocampus is where your emotions are processed, where your memories are processed. And so um, the hippocampus is highly involved in dementia. And physical activity has been shown to really help the hippocampus. i put three different articles um, onto the blog on the uh, Healthy Steps site because you can grow your hippocampus. And um, this has been known for years. So regular physical exertion, um, aerobic is great. Resistance is great, but you need to do something every day for at least 20 minutes, if not 30 minutes, more is fine. Um, but you will actually improve your hippocampus. In, I think it was one year of regular exercise, one study showed a 2% increase in the size of the hippocampus. That doesn't sound like a lot, but that's hundreds of millions of new brain cells. It's really amazing. And so um, um, related to that, can frontotemporal dementia be reversed? Frontotemporal dementia is different from Alzheimer's, but it's still dementia and it's still a brain on fire problem. And so anything that we can do to actually um, uh, work on um, the, the brain health in general is going to make an impact on frontotemporal dementia. All of these are very plastic conditions, but they do tend to get worse if we do nothing about it. I think we have a caller. Yes, indeed we do. We've got um, Amy from St. Pete, but first I'm, we've got about 18 more minutes, so I'm going to give out the number one more time to participate in the Healthy Steps radio show here on WMNF Tampa, and you can call 813-239-9663, and we've been getting a slew of emails, so keep them coming to dj at wmnf.org, and welcome, Amy. Yes. Hello. Good morning. And thank you. I, I appreciate your forum and, you know, all the good information that you're giving out is great. I wanted to, to bring help. up uh, a parallel of stress. Um, say you've got uh, a young uh, guy or female that's interested in another young partner and they're excited to be around that person and that person is talking to them and they can't they can't really hear what they're saying. They're absorbed with so much stress of of the infatuation, if you will, about meeting this person, being able to talk for the first time. So they bungle up their words and they 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 leave, you know, the next day thinking, gosh, I should have said this or I should have said that. And we, as a society, we cut them some slack and we say, oh, young love, you know, they just uh, lost in thought and and and. You you know they'll get through it they'll make their way, but yes. with older people we older people we don't give them that benefit of when they're at 
a cognitive test where somebody's saying, we're going to test your brain if it's working and you need to write down these, you know, hours of the clock and everyone's watching to see if you can do it. And, you know, it can be nerve wracking. So I think that under certain amount of stress, they know what's on the line. Like if everyone thinks one way, that's it. There's no give or take like, well, they're having a bad day. Maybe they, maybe they had a, a, an injury, like you said, maybe one or two injuries. And so they're testing them right now, diagnosing them right now, and leaving that as a permanent answer when actually I think given the chance to calm down, to meditate, to exercise, give them a little time to, to um, say, alleviate other pains, maybe the loss of a loved one, that they can bring back their cognitive abilities. I think we just have to cut some people some slack. It's not always... You know, everything is not always a steady direction of... I agree with you that there is no one single test result that is something that I would make a decision about for moving forward in treatment. Um, I, I won't do it on a thyroid test. I won't do it on an MRI. I need more information. When I administer a cognitive test, it's in the context of a larger interview generally. Sometimes it's not. Um the um, more intensive one administered by psychologists, that's a very, very stressful day for many people. And so, yes, that's also somewhat taken into consideration when the psychologist actually does the test. But I agree with you. One test is not sufficient to make a diagnosis. And so we really need to um, continue um, uh, to you know, evaluate each individual on an ongoing basis because we are plastic. We change all the time. And allow that time and space for recovery in the right direction of course right right thank absolutely you. thank you amy all righty i've got salia from winter haven on the line here good morning salia hey um hi can you see? I, I actually i have a question that's not really on the topic of mental health but it's something i've been wondering about i um a physical and my blood work came up anemic and low in vitamin D. And after some head scratching, I thought about it and I thought, well, I had donated blood shortly before that. Would that, would that blood donation make me anemic? Um, your blood can recover within a month of uh, a, um, um, a donation. So um, if it was over a month, no, probably not. But the low B vitamin, that would not happen from giving a pint of blood. So um, your anemia is probably from having low B vitamins. And so um, one, I don't know what your diet is, but vegans have trouble with B vitamins uh, because they don't yeah. have any in their diet. I am. Okay. Yeah. I'll ask them. So you need to be taking B12 and folic acid, methyl B12, methylfolate if you're on a vegan diet. And um, if you want to preserve your bones, I would add, make sure that you're getting at least a half gram of protein per pound per day because that's one of the biggest problems with um, vegan protein intake. Well, I make a point of having a bean meal every day, so I should be getting Count your protein. Um, okay. Go to um, myfitnesspal.com, enter all your food, and it will calculate your protein grams. And if you're not getting half your body weight in grams per day, you're undernourished. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Oh, by the way, B12 and folic acid are also really important for brain health. So um, if you don't have 
solid B12 and folic acid, your brain is shrinking. So make sure you get that to help with brain health. That's one of the foundations of good brain health. And um, another one is uh, the antioxidants. Um, and so make sure you're getting a wide variety of plant uh, uh, so vegan diet is great for the rainbow of plants because those phytochemicals are great for the brain, especially blue-black, blueberries, blackberries, uh, currants, all these dark things. They are so good for brain health. That's always good to know. We just got a new puppy and he loves his black and blueberries. So, Oh, great. <laughs> um, I've got Tony here from Seminole on the line. Good morning, Tony. Hi, Tony. Good morning. Thank you for your program. It's wonderful. Um, I have so a welcome. question uh, on aging. Personal is that um, what's a, can be done about bruising and thin skin? I'm seventy three. Mm. Um, that's a good question. Bruising and thin skin actually are related to your brain health too, because skin and brain come from the same section of your fetal development called the ectoderm. And so if your skin is thin and it's bruising, your brain is thin and bruising. So things to improve that include um, good protein intake, um, good uh, vitamin C will help with uh, bruising in some cases. And uh, good protein intake. You got to get your protein in to um, make sure that the the body um, uh, has enough uh, um, meat, so to speak, to hold on to. So you've got to um, um, also look at sun damage on the skin because that can actually cause it to thin. Those things should help. Okay. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Have a great day. Bye. All right. We're down to about 10 more minutes and I've got Nick from St. Pete down the line. Good morning, Nick. Hey, I wanted to call in because I watched a YouTube video a few years ago because I was the one that called in about the Rick Simpson oil a few weeks ago. Yes. The cannabis show. But uh -huh. I watched a video of this guy getting treated with Alzheimer's that have severe Alzheimer's, hadn't left the house in almost eight years, had a caretaker. They started him on Rick Simpson oil. Within a week, almost everything came back. Like his memories came back. He wanted to drive his car, and his caretaker actually let him take the car around the block, and he came right back home. Hadn't driven in eight years. Huh. And he, he was only on the Rick Simpson oil for almost a week. And that That's is, interesting. Yeah, and it's I'm trying to dig for the video because I really want to share it with you, but there's a bunch of information about Rick Simpson cannabis oil on Alzheimer's, on dementia, like it. It's a healthy brain fat. Even just hemp oil and coconut oil really helps with dementia. Yeah, I think um, there's there's good evidence out there that CBD might slow the progression of it. Hemp oil is good oil for actually just health, so it would be a good thing to support the brain. I haven't seen anything on THC and dementia, and I had one patient that actually did go on THC with dementia and got suddenly much worse. Um, yeah. because the brain just was slowed down so much. I'm not sure that's the best approach, but um, I think uh, it's interesting information. Love to see the video. Yeah, I'm going to dig for the video. So, But thank you for your show. Thank you, always. You're, you're welcome, Nick. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Robin asks us um, about um, a 2019 article from Journal of American Medical Association. I believe she's right on that, actually, timing and journal. Um, talking about drugs that actually increase dementia, the risk. And she says about 30%. I thought I read 50%. But um, if you have um, the use of anticholinergic drugs, that includes almost every antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication, anti-allergy medication, um, 
many medications have anticholinergic effect. If you take those for a thousand doses, so that's about three years worth of taking them, you increase your risk of dementia by 30 to 50%. And taking things that will help um, uh, treat allergies otherwise or other things would be a much better choice because they aren't going to have as much of the anticholinergic effect that would damage the brain. It's quiet in here, so I'll give you a second and let you look over an email and then give us the answers. And here's one. Um, David asks, um, I saw something really interesting on Instagram yesterday. Former Olympia bodybuilding winner Dorian Yates was touting DMT, dimethyltryptamine, um, and DMT is uh, very similar to MDMA. It's a 5-HT2 uh, uh, receptor agonist, meaning that is a serotonin stimulant. It doesn't, it's not serotonin, but it, but it hits the same places in the brain and it actually causes brain rewiring. It's an interesting concept because these things actually do create new brain cells, new brain connections. And I don't know if there's actually been any trial in dementia, but it would be interesting to consider that that would be a, a place to uh, 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 do some research once these are available for um um, research. Um, here's another one. My aunt has Pick's disease, a, a type of frontotemporal dementia, a very specific one. She was living on her own in New York City during the early stages of the disease. By the time they moved her to Florida, she's living with a family now. And um, she eats canned salmon on a white tortilla with potatoes, eggs, and mayonnaise for lunch and dinner. She also eats a large bowl of chocolate ice cream for dessert following these two meals. Because of her dementia, it's very hard to communicate and reason with her, as she often doesn't understand what we are telling her. We know that her diet can be vastly improved, but it feels often that it's impossible to get her to change her routines without upsetting her. Uh, is there anything I can suggest? Well, when dementia becomes extremely advanced and the people can't understand what and why, um, disturbing routine becomes very upsetting. And there has to come a point when we understand that we may not make much of an impact. Um, and it's true, we may not at this point with someone who's got very advanced dementia. And so um, it's, it's very difficult and it really upsets people when you take away their favorite food like chocolate ice cream. Um, you might be able to actually do some switching around and find instead of a white tortilla, find a low carb or a keto wrap the potatoes are an issue. Um, eggs and mayonnaise are not because we're not looking at carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are really the issue for the brain in this situation. And so, um, you know, finding uh, aspartame, not aspartame, you don't want that. You want to find stevia or um, other kinds of sweetened um, uh, desserts. Like you can find a no sugar um, uh, chocolate ice cream. That may work. There are ways you can sneak around the end without changing the person's um, life too much. No, it's still quiet here. We've got about five more minutes. Um, give out the number one more time, 813-239-9663. And you're listening to The Healthy Step Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Um. This is an interesting um, uh, question. Um, the man who called in about um, the relative with dementia who's in denial, um, uh, this uh, uh, gentleman suggested that um, we record the person 
who has the dementia and then showing that video to the person. It might actually make them more cognizant of actually what's going on. And um, yeah, that is possible. I'm not sure if it would get through, um, but uh, it just may. Um, they still may be in denial even watching themselves because uh, denial is a very, very uh, difficult wall to penetrate. <laughs> um, we've seen that in politics. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Jerry asks, what's good to lower cholesterol and specifically in middle-aged women? Well, it doesn't really matter. Lowering cholesterol is a task for anyone and it's the same for everyone. Um, and uh, the thing is though, um, um, there are different metabolisms in different people. And some people actually absorb cholesterol from their diet. Some people really don't do that and they make it in their liver. So um, there's definitely ways to look at this. Uh, the Boston Heart Labs actually does a test that tells you whether you're a cholesterol absorber or a cholesterol creator. If you're an absorber, you avoid cholesterol in your diet because it makes a huge impact. If you're a creator, dietary cholesterol doesn't make that big an impact, but it can, so you can still avoid some of it. But um, I've seen people who have the absorption problem eat two eggs or three eggs a week and suddenly have their cholesterol double. So it can be a real problem. Um, but uh, um, doing the Mediterranean diet where you eat about 80% uh, to 90% of your diet in plants and 10 to 20% of your diet in animal product is going to put you in a place where you're more likely to be actually lowering cholesterol. And don't forget, exercise every day is another way to do that. Just a walk, a 30-minute walk um, in your neighborhood is fine and it will actually start lowering your cholesterol. Um, this is anonymous and um, they say that anti-allergy drugs and dementia, it's real. My former partner is a perfect example of that. He had a high stress personality and also did these and has dementia. So that's really um, an issue. I think we're coming up on the end of the show, Bill. Yeah, I think we're wrapping on up here. Is there anything you want to tell us about next week, Dr. Harvey? So next week, um, we're coming into the end of uh, Pride Month, and it's also um, um, next Monday is uh, uh, Get Tested for AIDS Day, HIV Testing Day. Um, so it would be uh, uh, a show on HIV um, and uh, what the current state of affairs are on that and um, what we can do um, um, to help reduce that um, pandemic because it is global and it's affecting uh, many, many people. We can actually uh, work on that. And I'd say uh, if you haven't been tested, uh, any age um, is a smart thing to do. If you are actually um, um, not monogamous, it's a great idea to get tested. Next Monday is it. All right. Thank you, Dr. Harvey. So until next Monday, I'd like to thank you and I'd like to thank all of our participants and listeners. Say, take care, stay healthy. You're the greatest. You've been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Seconds away is five minutes of NPR news, and then we'll present Sustainable Living, hosted by the award-winning team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. Today, their Zoom guest is Whitney McKelson, and joining us in the studio is Jessica Ojea, both from Food Rescue U.S., a nonprofit here to discuss food security, food desert, and food waste. Until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa your community conscious radio station.